What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm your host, Sean Smith, joined as always by Derek Terry of the Cats Paws. Derek, how are you? Doing well, Sean. Hanging in there. How are you doing? Doing well. We hope that all of you all listening had a really good weekend. You got seven episodes of Kentucky Daily last week, which is kind of wild to think about. And capped the week off with a commitment from four-star Offensive guard, Jagger Burton, the number one player in the state of Kentucky. Derek, I guess just a quick reaction. I know we we touched on it in the episode with Jagger, but now that it's sort of, you know, 14, 15 hours later or so, how, what's your mindset after just a huge commitment? And now that it's over with, I guess the speculation can end now that Kentucky won't be losing the number one player to a premier football program. They get to keep him at home. Yeah, I felt a little bit bad for the folks on Twitter yesterday who were still uh, kind of anxious as to what was going to happen because obviously we had recorded with him already on Saturday for that podcast. And I had heard about two weeks ago, and this is kind of the thing I teased last week on the podcast, he, Jagger had been reaching out to uh, – he and the coaching staff, mainly Vince Mayer, had been reaching out to some 2022 guys – um, a few weeks ago to see if they could maybe get a string of commitments going. I don't know if that's going to happen, but at that point, you know, I knew that he was officially on board. And I don't know exactly when it was that he told the staff he was coming. It might have been even longer than that. But either way, to keep it on one offensive guard uh, in the state and the number three offensive guard nationally at home is a big deal to add that to the big blue wall. Um, led to a Mark Soup's mic drop. I don't know if you've ever seen that, Sean, for a recruit. Or that's actually what I was about to. That's actually what I was going to ask you because we didn't talk about that. So we recorded the episode with Jagger, of course, ahead of time. So then we recorded the opening ahead of time. So we didn't get the immediate reaction of Jagger committing to Kentucky with the videos and all that stuff. So what did you think of the Mark Stoops mic drop? And then two, we've seen that video with the coaches, Derek. I only I don't remember seeing that a ton. I remember seeing it only one other time pops out in my mind. I don't know. Maybe that's something they've done in the past more than once. But only time I remember that was when Wondell Robinson committed to Kentucky last year or a couple of years ago before flipping. They did the same around the table mm-hmm. reaction. They might have done it for DeKale. I'm not sure. But they it's not been – okay. It's not been – it's been very few guys that get that reaction and response. So you see the Mark Stoops mic drop, which I thought was amazing, with the big blue wall hat on, which if they – does that hat even available? Because, like, people would buy that hat like crazy if it were available. That would be all over Kroger Field at football games. That's certainly – they're working on that brand even more. Uh, something I coined, I think, 
I think Jagger had a shirt that's, or maybe it was just a UK shirt. His, I didn't go to his announcement yesterday. I just saw some pictures from it. But no, I mean, obviously they reserve the round table uh, reaction and the off cap Yahtzee with uh, Mark Stoops video. I mean, that's the first time that's happened. I'm pretty sure the, the actual video from Stoops. Like you had said, only the only the most high profile commitments lead to the tweet of the round table, but he was a big one. I mean, he was definitely – they had been in on Damon Payne, the five-star defensive tackle for Michigan. He ended up choosing Alabama. They, they had recruited him pretty hard. But I think all along in this 21 class, Jagger was the most realistic high-end target. And to wrap that up in August, I mean, I know there are some people, some fans were – because, you know, we would keep telling people on the message board, you know, UK's in good shape here. UK's probably the front runner. UK's probably going to get him. And Usually the reaction is, why doesn't he just go ahead and commit, especially in a year like this where the class could use a boost. And it's August uh, – he commits on August 30th. So still uh, over three months or close to four months still signing day. So it gives him some time to recruit. And I guess before I hand this back off to you, Sean, Mikel Crowdis this morning uh, tweeted – but he's got more on the way, which I assume is for the other kids at Frederick Douglass High School, but I could be wrong. Yeah. I mean, you heard the names that Jagger mentioned on here that he hopes to flip, and then he talked about those future classes as well. But, yeah, that's interesting. You know, DeKell, DeKell followed through on his promise. He promised in May that, you know, Jagger was the guy, and he, he kept teasing it with the pictures of him and Jagger together and everything. But it's officially over with. You know, I'm sure Mark Stoops and Vince Merrill could – rest easy the last few days knowing that they've got that guy locked up in the class and uh Derek a huge commitment for Kentucky football just now gets some positive momentum on the recruiting trail in a time where it's sort of hard to generate that and I think that that's uh the big thing especially a month before the Kentucky football season kicks off I will say this how upset are you that we're not playing football this weekend coming this could have been game week that's something we talked about but uh just looking to Auburn September 26th, but, man, it's so unfortunate that we don't have football to talk about this week. Yeah, we would have been – yeah, we would have been out of Mark Stoops' press conference very shortly, his first uh, first game week presser of the year. So, in that sense, it's definitely different. Um, it's, it's unfortunate. It's pretty sad. Uh, I hate that it's happened this way, and I hate that UK doesn't get a chance to – open the season against Eastern Michigan. And even, you know, even if the if the SEC had chosen to keep non-conference schools on, I mean, they would have been playing on Thursday, <laughs> so even sooner. Yeah. But, you know, I'm just glad at this point that, that we do have the game scheduled still. So, yes, yeah. wish, wish it was happening this Saturday, but happy that we can at least look forward and, you know, there's a tangible day with Auburn. But, Sean – Auburn's having some problems right now. Oh, man, they sure are. It's um, And this is something, Derek, that we saw coming, that there were some reports. You know, you were hearing some things a week or so ago, I think over a week ago, that there was an outbreak on Auburn's campus, and it, it's hit the football team pretty hard. I, is it up to 19 guys that, that are out with COVID right now? I think that was the one of the last numbers that I had seen. I, pull up, I mean, uh, you're talking you're talking a month or less than a month now before the first game. This is definitely, I mean, hitting. So this was 12 hours ago. 
Okay, Auburn down 16 players for virus-related issues. And that was an ESPN.com story, like, within the last 12 hours. Derek, when you when you see those numbers, that game, even like, let's say, you know, everything works out with Auburn in the next week or two, that game's not getting moved. That game's September 26. This is a significant disadvantage for Auburn going into that first game, missing practice time like this. I mean, we saw people – get really upset that Kentucky football just missed one practice this past week. Can you imagine how Auburn fans feel right now knowing their team? Essentially, it looks like they missed almost a full week of of practice. Yeah, and theirs is uh, certainly worse considering, you know, UK was kind of a voluntary miss uh, to protest social injustice, whereas Auburn is missing because they're having a hard time controlling their COVID numbers. And, you know, with – with something like this, we don't know how serious these cases are, but it's obviously serious enough and the numbers are alarming enough that Malzahn is, is not comfortable practicing. I think there was one – they didn't specify the position group, but I think there was one position group at Auburn that they would have a hard time. You know, they just didn't really have enough bodies there anymore. And, you know, we talked about it before I came on here, um, or before we started this, and I'm not – sure all the details yet, but it sounds like there's some protocols being put in by these conferences that is going to require a, min- a minimum number of players at each position with, I think, 53 or 55 healthy players. You might know the number on that. It's 53 for the Big 12, and I'm, I'm assuming, you know, Ross Dellinger tweeted out that it's the SEC is looking at establishing a similar model, which would require, I guess there's a certain number at each position, too. So I haven't clicked on the story, but I can tell you this, that Auburn's situation is nine positive tests and then seven others through contact tracing. So that sounds like it's position groups. That yeah. It could be specific to maybe one or two position groups, maybe just one. I don't know. But Derek, 16 guys out of practice, I mean, it's obviously warranted enough for them to not be able to practice even because you just don't know, like, who has it, who who doesn't have it yet. And this could hit any of these teams at any point. I think that's something that we should say. Like, we're talking Kentucky's, you know, good right now. I mean, it could be two weeks from now, Derek. God forbid that that happens because it would be brutal trying to get ready for, you know, that first game of the season. But this could happen to any of these teams at any point. Unfortunately, it could happen in the middle of October, middle of November. We don't know. That I think that's the thing. Uh, I don't know. Let's just Let's just hope that this stuff, these outbreaks get out of the way early in August, which – Credit to the SEC, putting the season date September 26th, not feeling any pressure to move it up a couple of weeks. You see why now? Yeah, that they like I said last week, they're they're looking smarter and smarter by doing that. It's hard to say. I think what if there are those guidelines put in place, that should take a lot of the questions out of whether games will be canceled or postponed or whatever. It sounds like Sean. I mean. If these are if, if they had at least one position group that was kind of decimated by this, and the game was upcoming this Saturday, I, I don't know that we would know for sure that the game was going to happen, right? If that's the yeah. case, I don't know if it's like Friday or whenever they have to establish, you know, whatever roster they're going to have available. But for you know, we are still it's August thirty first, so we still have some time before UK and Auburn plays. But you know, if this still is going on around schools two two weeks from now. It's going to be tricky. It's going to be getting kind of in that tricky territory to see what's going to happen. So, unfortunately, at Auburn, I hope that 
everyone who has tested positive so far is doing okay and uh, they can get healthy and, and get back to practice. Hopefully Auburn yeah. can figure it out. And, and like you said, for the other schools that are maybe good right now, I think that should serve just Bill's caution that, you know, it, all it takes is just a couple of guys here or there and you could have a, a team outbreak. Yeah, you can. And that's just uh, when you look at that, you know, Alabama had over a 1,000 reported cases on their campus last week. Did you week. see where uh, an Alabama bar <laughs> in Tuscaloosa had – Required the bar age, the, the minimum to be 23 years old. I mean, they're trying to block out the, the students' so population. So they're trying to to make sure that they don't – I don't – it's just – it's hard, like, right now. I just don't know. Like, especially when you bring back thousands of people back to a campus, you increase the population in these towns by 25 to 30,000 people. And, Eric, when you're talking Athens, Georgia, it's not the biggest place. That downtown area near campus, I mean, you're talking – you're putting 30,000 people in a small area where everybody's going to go to the same places and stuff. It's not like not every college town is like Lexington or like Knoxville where it's a spread out place. I mean, some of these college towns in the SEC, they're not the biggest. The majority are pretty small towns. Oxford, Starkville. Um, Auburn's not very big. Auburn's not big. Tuscaloosa is not, not very big either. Uh, I mean, a lot of those SEC West schools, Fayetteville, I've only been to once, but I think Fayetteville is actually kind of a decent-sized city compared to these others that we're talking about anyway. Columbia, South Carolina is a decent-sized town. So, I mean, not every place is small, you know, but like you're saying, I mean, I guess there are other things. to Like Vanderbilt, I don't know if they're going to have as many problems. That's, a you know, the biggest city in the SEC. <laughs> and there's other places you can go. And I don't know even what kind of the – I know Tennessee has been so, a little bit – more loose on the mandates compared to Kentucky. I don't know how it is with other states, though. So the SEC has it, – it seems like, Derek, that they've built in this plan that – so the, the SEC season ends December 5th. I think that's the last regular season game for every SEC team. The SEC championship game is the 19th. So it looks like they've built in a 14-day period there to where if there is games that need to be made up, I mean, ideally, it's probably December 12th, but, Derek, what happens if you get into a situation where somebody has to make up two games? Like, do you? how do you spread that over those 14 days? Because, obviously, bye weeks would have to match up to make games. Do you think it sort of comes down to a thing where if it doesn't impact the results of a division, it probably just doesn't get played? Yeah, that's what I would assume. But I have no idea, man. That's – if you're getting enough games canceled, I would feel like there's probably going to be a push to just cancel the whole season, don't you? If you're having two, three games a weekend, which I don't know if it's going to be like that, but if you're in a situation where like every team's having makeups, and I, mean, I don't know, it's going to be tricky. I think the hope is that obviously you don't you can play in without too much of an interruption, especially this first game. I think, I mean, I know you're having to adjust to the students coming back to campus right now, but I felt like. If you can get to that first game, you'll be in good shape. I don't know. I'd be curious to see what comes out of the you know, Central Arkansas and Austin P played. Sounds to this point, it's only been two days. But if they if those guys get through it and there's no, you know, really no reaction to it, I think that would be a good sign. But I don't know. Like you said, we can't know. I mean, it's the thing. I can't give you a good answer because we don't know what would happen. If they do have that one date built in. But like you're saying, it's probably if you get a team outbreak and 14-day windows, the period or whatever, I mean, maybe it's going to be 
kind of sketchy with those if you're playing back to back weekends. So it, it seems like there's it seems like there's a lot of questions surrounding too if walk ons would count towards the team's numbers. And athletic directors, Ross put this up. It says one eighty says they should be. So you're talking you know, 85 scholarships and an additional like 30 to 35 walk-on players, Derek. I mean, you think that if you could pull 10 to 15 of those walk-on guys, or put it this way, if there's 10 to 15 positive cases or 10 to 15 players out on any roster, I don't know if that game gets played because I think that you could just go ahead and chalk it up that you have an outbreak that you need yeah. to deal with. If you have one or two positives, it's manageable. Three positives probably somewhere through there, depending on – exactly when you found out those positives and if the more testing available the better uh but i mean we can't really talk a whole lot about that because right now auburn's the only one that really has the problem in the sec everybody else seems to be good i, I know tennessee had a couple missed a couple of practices or at least yeah. one due to covid 19 but it seems like they're back i know that they uh i think that situation has died down a little bit it seems like auburn's the only one that's in this boat uh, but we did have the first Kentucky football scrimmage of the fall Saturday, Derek, and we heard a lot from Mark Stoops Saturday. Uh, he mentioned the, a pass that Bo Allen made to freshman wide receiver Ernest Sanders, and we got to see that highlight in the clip that Kentucky put up on Twitter last night. A lot stands out about those highlights, Derek. There were a lot of good plays. You saw Bryce Oliver take a, a slip screen to the house. Uh, you saw all the running backs making plays. You saw Jaton McLean score a touchdown there at the end. You was that against look. the one, by the way? I, I think it was. Line. Yeah. Joey Gatewood was the quarterback, and I told you that he was running with the ones. He was the one that threw the touchdown pass to Oliver on the on the screen. Yeah, I think they were mixing that up a little bit because on defense for the McLean touchdown, it was Marquez Vembry out there, but it also had Jordan Wright. Was out there. Phil Hoskins was on, and Quentin Bohanna. So it was probably a little bit of a mix at that point in practice. But man, if Juice McLean is getting one reps at all, and you would think he's probably the fourth string running back, I don't know. What do you think that says? Well, what you saw yesterday in that clip, I mean, I'm I'm telling you, Chris Rodriguez, Cavassier, Smoke. It was only one clip of each, and AJ Rose. I mean, had a nice juke move there. I mean, all three of those guys looked good, and then you see McLean putting it in the end zone. Um, wasn't a whole lot of defensive highlights. We talked about that last night. I think we saw Brandon Eccles, you know, celebrating uh, coverage that he had on Oliver. But other than that, I think the I think the side you wanted to see making plays really was the offense. I think that was the thing that fans want to see in the highlights. And I mean, other than some really good tackles, I don't really know what's going to generate excitement if you put a bunch of defensive clips in there. Uh, but I thought it was good that we got to see something from Oliver in the highlights because we've heard that name a ton. We heard it from Terry. We've heard it from Eddie Grin, Mark Stoops. Uh, to see him, you know, turn on the burners there and score a touchdown and then celebrating it, I mean, that that's a guy, Derek, that he's my breakout player just from everything that we've heard. He has number one wide receiver potential as early as this year. Uh like you're saying, that is a huge thing to to have him. And Bryce Oliver wouldn't have been the first guy I would have thought either. I mean, he's not really a burner. He's not slow, but his game is not really, you know. On this roster, though, honestly, man, I don't know. Even like Josh Ali, I don't know if I would categorize as a burner. No one I don't think right now – well, I'll say no one. No one that we know of. There, there might be a, a freshman. Uh, Tay-Tay Crooms, is, he's a redshirt freshman out of Louisville. He's supposed to have good speed. But I don't know if there is anyone that has speed like Jeff Bidette had. But – Oliver to be able to take a slip screen right there. I mean, that's either it was 
called at the perfect time, or maybe Oliver kind of surprised me with the speed or or whatnot. But to be able to take that to the house, I don't know how many yards that was uh, on the video. It was it was lengthy, but I don't know an exact yardage. But I'm thinking that wide receiver room, the way it's going to shake out, uh, he, he's going to get a ton of targets. I think. I mean, Ollie's going to get a lot of targets and Daly will as well. And you know, you, you think Cleveland Thomas is a guy who's been there for a while. He'll probably have a pretty good opportunity to start, but first guy, I think you saw in the video, not making plays, just just overall was Mike Drennan, right? I mean, he's right there yeah. front at the start of the video. I didn't see him in any of the highlights, but you know, if, you, if you're putting the freshman out there right away, I think you can expect that he's going to be someone who's contributing this year. And two, before we get into anything else from that highlight clip, it should be noted, no reported injuries, so it seems like everybody's healthy. I mean, maybe some guys are banged up here and there, maybe something like that, or dinged up. But uh, that's a problem that they've had in the past, Derek, with uh, Dorian Baker injury one year, Landon Young got hurt one year, uh, Cole Mosier got hurt one year. So, so far, so good. And they'll have another scrimmage or two before they get into that first game. So uh, just fingers crossed for Mark Stoops and that staff that they stay healthy. But that I think that's good news to report that there wasn't anything said about injury Saturday. Now, he could he could disclose something and or, you know, or, keep something under wraps, but it doesn't seem like he's the guy to do that. He's told it in the past. Yeah, that can be funny sometimes. Like, I, I think, honestly, I do think Steve tells the truth most of the time. I mean, I don't think he – I don't think he ever outright lies, but there would be times where he'd say, no, I think everyone was, was pretty good, pretty healthy coming off this, and he would specifically <laughs> ask about a player. Be like, oh, yeah, he, uh, he he didn't actually go. You know what I mean? Something like yeah. that. Well, it doesn't happen all the time, but it has happened occasionally but no like what you're talking about there was no one out there who, who tore a knee up or no you know, had something that's going to keep them out there might have been a rolled ankle or like you said just someone banged up concussion type stuff that won't keep you out well i mean concussions could but something that's not going to keep you out long term but uh what other guy in that video and it was something that was pointed out on saturday was bo allen he has been talked up quite a bit and in that video, he threw an absolute dime to Ernest Sanders. And I don't know – it looked like the defensive back was a walk-on, so I don't know what, what what the groupings were for this. But, man, either way, what a throw. From If you've not seen the video, go to the UK Football Twitter account. They've got the highlights up. Bo Allen, the freshman quarterback, dropped, uh, dropped one in from about 40 or 50 yards, according to Stoops, for a touchdown to Ernest Sanders, another guy who could make some noise as a freshman. And the ball was placed perfectly. I called you last night and told you about it. You, I mean, if Sanders doesn't catch that, it's literally just going out of bounds. Like, there was no chance for a DB to make a play. And that's what stood out to me. I mean, Derek, look, this year doesn't count for anything. If they get in a situation where they got to sling the thing around the field at some point, I mean, you might see Bo get on the field for a, a snap or two. Just It'd be interesting to throw him out there in that wildcat formation and do something – Different with him. Who knows? The the kid might get some snaps this year if he if he throws the ball like that. I mean, you could you could run some things and at least have it as an option within the offense. Uh, you also, Derek, have been hearing some things about some people, and I know that you've been you've been spot on in the past when you've heard uh, some guys standing out in camp, and then boom, it transitions over to the regular season. So, why don't you just uh, tell the listeners a little bit about what you've been hearing? sort of behind the scenes for, from some people that are probably standing out at camp right now. Yeah. So I posted this Saturday at catsballs.com for our VIP subscribers. 
So if you're a VIP subscriber at Cat's Balls, you could have got this a few days ago. But uh, I had a couple sources. I'll start with Bo Allen since we're already talking about him. This was before Saturday. So this was either last week or the week before. I was told him he's the real deal at practice. And that's not to say he's going to compete with Terry Wilson for the starting job this year. Just that, you know, his arm strength is, is very good and his accuracy. His accuracy has always been something that's been pointed out, even when he was a high school recruit. Because if you see Bo in person, and he actually stayed at the same hotel that we did for the uh, – he stayed at the media hotel. I mean, that's where the media stays. It's not like – I mean, anybody can stay there, of course. But we saw Bo then in December. And he doesn't – he's not a very big guy. Like, he's tall, but he's he's pretty slender. So I don't know how his arm strength was. You couldn't really tell in the videos. But apparently he's got a very strong arm. And just he's able to put it on the numbers a lot. So he was one guy who I was told is the real deal. I don't want to make any kind of bold proclamations right now before he ever plays in a game. The only thing I would say is I have been on the kind of train that Joey Gatewood was coming here, you know, to be the starting quarterback in 2021. I don't I don't want to say one way or the other what might happen, just that perhaps it's going to be more of a quarterback battle than I had initially thought. Yeah. So some of the other guys, two other players in particular, who I've been hearing good things about. One was running back Cavassier Smoke. And I don't know what to take away from that because all those running backs are going to play anyway. And last year alone, we saw all three of those guys. And I'm talking about A.J. Rose, Chris Rodriguez, and Smoke. All those guys had good games. But the fact that it's Smoke, who to this point has been, at least according to one person, has been uh, has been the best running back to this point. I think it's a good sign, not only for him, just for the depth of that room. Because like you said, on the highlight video, all those dudes were making plays. And then the last guy is someone who probably won't even be a starter to begin the season, but J.J. Weaver, the redshirt freshman, I don't think that's surprising at all. Mark Stoops has said that he was the guy who probably could have helped them more than those four games last year. Uh, I would still expect Jordan Wright to start at that jack position, but I was told Weaver's been a monster this far in camp, and that's not surprising at all. I mean, he was he was someone who was making plays last year when he got in there. So that is real SEC depth, I think, at that jack position. When you have a guy, I mean, they were able to move Josh Pascal away from that position because they liked the guys there that they had so much. So, Wright needs to be uh, keep developing. I think he's a very good player, uh, and Weaver is turning into that into his own right. So, those are some guys that I'd heard about. And then, of course, you have the comments from Stoops, some other guys, or Nick Lewis is someone who probably wouldn't have been talked about a whole lot and probably wouldn't even play that much this year, honestly, just with the tackles that they already have. But another sign of, of development over a two to three year stretch, and and that's what it takes to win in this league and to you know move into that top tier in the division and in the league overall. And speaking of the league, so the ESPN FPI, Derek, and this is what we'll wrap up this episode with. They released new FPI numbers when projected totals for the SEC ten game schedule. So Kentucky initially was at seven even when it was a 12-game schedule with the four non-conference games. That number is now at 4.5. Seems low to me. Like, I, I think that's low. What are your thoughts on that? And then we can touch on some of the others. So, first of all, Kentucky at 4.5, what do you think? Yeah, I think that one more, for sure, than that. Um, yeah, uh, like we've said in the past, I, I thought 6 and 4 would be a good number. I'm not going to sit here and say 4.5 is ridiculous because, you, I mean, it's hard to – I mean, and we're doing this projections like if all teams are going to be healthy, and I'm sure that's how the FBI is doing it too. The FBI is not taking into account potential COVID cases or anything like that. So 
It does seem low, but the FPI actually, I think I saw a stat not long ago. It's It's been kind of accurate for Kentucky, I think, on the win total. There might have been Josh Edwards who posted it on our board or somebody else. It wasn't a crazy far number off, but. I think the only year it was off was 2018. Yeah. I think they had a winning four that year or something. Somebody said, I think it was. Oh, really? Four. Yeah, there was one year it was significantly off. In 2018, I felt like that team had a lot of production back. It's kind of surprising me that number would be that low that year. Um, yeah, there was, there especially because they won seven low. games the year before. Yeah. Well, I could be wrong on that, but like I said, I thought I saw off the set that it's usually not too far off. But I'm looking at this, and they play a lot of the teams that they play are projected towards the bottom of this FBI. Yeah. Below Kentucky, you've got Tennessee, Ole Miss, South Carolina, Missouri, Mississippi State, and Vanderbilt. Uh, of those teams, so of Tennessee, Ole Miss, South Carolina, Missouri, Mississippi State, Arkansas 2.1, and Vanderbilt 1.3, who do you think out of that group could finish higher? I'll I'll give you mine. I think Ole Miss and Tennessee could win more than 3.94. I think that they could get into that. To me, those are the two that stand out. Well, there will be hell to pay for Jeremy Pruitt if he only wins four games this year. I'll yeah, he, that. Tennessee. No, but – yeah, it'll be hard to fire anyone during the COVID-19 pandemic, but uh, that definitely would probably roll the ball in that direction for Tennessee if they only win four games. I'll tell you uh, who's too high is LSU, 7.9. They, they've basically stripped that whole roster down. This is going to be like a whole new team. They've still got some guys, Stingley's back at corner, but Jamar Chase opted out yesterday. They have a new offensive coordinator. Well, they don't have uh, – Ensminger is still there. They have a new – the uh, Joe Brady or whatever, whatever they called him, they have a replacement there. 7.9 is too high for LSU. I would be surprised. I mean, I think – I don't think – I wouldn't take the over on that. I would double go below. I mean, because they have to play Alabama. They have to play Auburn, Texas A&M, Florida, some good teams. But I'm just, like, just looking at this list. I mean, I'd put the minimum number of wins at UK at five. So, if you're betting on this, take the over. There's three bets that I would take on this. I would take Kentucky over. I would take Vandy under because I if Vandy <laughs> might win one, but they're not winning two. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Like, it's not happening. And then, I honestly, I think Auburn. I think I'd take the under on Auburn. I, I think I could see Auburn in a situation where they finish six and four as their best record. I don't think that they win eight. So, at worst, I think you're getting a push out of that. Yeah. Because I mean, it'd be hard for it's going to be hard for Auburn to win eight games, in my opinion. I I I think they might go five and five somewhere in that range. I don't think that they're winning seven or eight. Man, Tennessee, that surprises me that it's still at four, lower than Kentucky. I don't know, just because some of the some of the hype that they. I mean, that's a preseason top twenty-five team in the AP poll, and they've yeah. only got them winning four games. Yeah, it's very interesting how this uh, how it all plays out. It's Four and a half seems low, but when you're playing 10 SEC games, I mean, you're right there. You're talking right on the door of a 500 SEC mark, which is something Kentucky's done in the past. So it's not entirely wrong. I, I think they could have put it at five, but then again, you're not wanting that push at all. Like you're wanting the, the win or the loss there. So I, mean, I, I get that it's computer rankings, but I cannot calculate where are these wins going to come from for these teams. If all these teams basically play each other and all on projected win two or three games. <laughs> I just don't know where well, everybody, they're everybody but Vandy. <laughs> so, like, Arkansas, is that too high at two wins? That point one makes me say yes. If that were too even, I could I mean I could 
see a push for them. But that point, I don't know if they're going to get, you know, Laura Rutledge, she had them as her breakout team. And I think she, I think what she pick them to win three. So when you haven't won a game in two years or more in the SEC, you know, winning one's a big deal. So I don't think they can win three. I'm sorry. Yeah. I guess that is the one thing to point out too about LSU is they got a wonderful draw. They got Missouri and Vanderbilt as their two new added teams. And they play Florida. And I don't know who else they play from the East this year, who, who they were originally supposed to play. But that actually might end up being a tricky one. I, I just feel like that was too high. I mean, I know it's to defend the national champs. you got to give them a lot of respect. But you lose double-digit first-round picks and draft picks as a whole, and then your best player opts out. That's going to be tough to do this year, I think. Someone emailed me uh, yesterday, actually, and asked me how this works with Kentucky at 4.5. They said, does that mean that they win a half? And I'm like, no, <laughs> that's not how it works. So I had to explain, you know, that it was put in for betting purposes. But, I mean, if you didn't know, I mean, of course, you'd, you'd think, where in the heck is .5? How do you win .5 of the game? Uh, what but, is the highest sports book you've seen for UK wins since the updated? It's five and a half. Have they got it to five and a half anywhere? I want to think I saw one that was 5.2, 5.3 maybe. I can't remember who that was. We talked about one here a few weeks ago when the 10-game schedule came out. What? Which one was that? It got them to five. It was five-ish. I can't remember. We. Uh, I think it's five in that range I think would be good. Uh, somebody, I want to think somebody had them at 5.2, 5.3 because that one's a harder one because then you're talking – you know, winning five and having – honestly, Derek, five and five wouldn't be horrible in a 10-game SEC schedule, but six wins, probably a really good year, six and four. Yeah. So that's a, that's a tougher bet in my opinion. 4.5, I'm taking the over every single time with Kentucky. If it's 5.3, you'd have to – you'd at least have to think about it. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that would be the sweet number to me, I think, to get action one way or the other. Um I'm not seeing I'm not seeing betting odds for other leagues. I'd be curious to see kind of like what the ACC looks like. I'm guessing that would be Clemson might be at ten though, right? I mean, Alabama's at nine, and this that's the number one team in the SEC at nine wins. Which is anybody going defeated in the SEC? Let me ask I don't you that think now. So. I don't either. I don't, think I don't so. either. I think everybody has at least one loss. Uh, but yeah, we'll we maybe we might dive into those ACC numbers and stuff in future episodes and just look at some other things if uh, we're needing a topic here or there. But Derek, if nothing else to add, I think we've put together another solid episode to start the week. So this is uh, Monday's episode with a recap of Kentucky's football scrimmage, a big weekend for UK football with Jagger Burton committing to the Cats. Uh, just rolling ahead, Derek. Just holding out and hoping for September 26th. It'll be here before we know it. It will be. I mean, this is our last episode of August. 20 episodes in for this month. I've had a blast doing this. Um, the numbers are still growing, but for those of you who listen to Jagger Burton's episode, maybe you downloaded, subscribe to the podcast, and you're checking in today. We appreciate it. It was already by far our most downloaded episode. So the numbers yeah. keep going up. I hope that people keep subscribing. I hope you tell your friends about it. Um, only podcast really right now. It's going every single day. So we hope that we're becoming part of your daily routine. And uh, we want to continue to put out some good episodes for you guys. Absolutely. Uh, I echo everything that Derek just said. Thank you all so much for continuing to listen. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, wherever you listen to this podcast or your other podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and review. 
and we'll see you Tuesday. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.